Welcome into another edition of Silver Lining Podcast. I'm Adam. Next to me is Rex. And our guest today is April. You may recognize April. Uh, Rex and I were at Goat Yoga a couple of weeks ago here in Gilbert, Arizona. It just so happens that April provides the goats for Goat Yoga. Uh, and we got to talk to April. So, April, first of all, thanks for coming on this podcast with us again today. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, and, and April has a unique situation uh, with um, our family tragedy that happened. So we'll talk to her about that. But before we get into all the heavy, deep things and thought processing, um, tell us a little bit about how you or why you are a goat trainer and how you and how you and Sarah came together for goat yoga, the behind the scenes, if you will. Yeah, it's pretty funny, actually, how it all came about. Um, I was on American Ninja Warrior, and um, for the show, I was, I, you know, I have to have kind of a shtick. And so my shtick was I was working out with my goats and using them as my training partners. I put them on my back and do push-ups and squats and all sorts of things. And then um, they featured me on the show, and they called me the Goat Whisperer, and I got, like, so much attention for me and working out with my goats. And then Sarah, as you know, Sarah, she does all this yoga and she's she's pretty funny in that way. She does like paddleboard yoga and stuff like that. And she just came to me and she's like, you're already doing like yoga with the goats and working out with them. Like, let's just put it together and do goat yoga. And I, I was like, that sounds so dumb. Let's do it. So I was like, yeah, we're on. And Everyone made fun of us, you know, our husbands, our family, our friends. But I mean, here we are eight years later and it's just still going. Oh my gosh, that is great. Well, Rex, what did you think of Go Yoga when you saw it for the first time in, in person? Well, first of all, now aren't your husbands, family, and friends working for you at Go Yoga? <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of people. Yes, they are. Okay. <laughs> So and they can make fun. You can laugh all the way to the bank. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I love the way Sarah described it when she was on, saying it's, you know, people spend their last dollar on on uh, family fun, on uh, clean clean family, clean family fun. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Is just so enjoyable, and part of that were, of course, April and Sarah made it made it so enjoyable. And here's here's a situation too, and I, I think about this in life all the time. How do two people come together in life? And you both lived in Gilbert, Arizona, and it just so happened that you met and, and made a business out of goats and yoga. And it's just, I just love stories like that that you know you can watch and and watch just develop and and be successful. I think it's fantastic. I love it. So, anyways, thanks for for sharing with us goat yoga a couple of Fridays ago. Um, and now let's get into some of the things that we talked a little bit about at goat yoga in the middle of a field of the goat yoga field. And uh, so it was kind of, I don't know if it was inappropriate, but I, I just wanted to talk to you more about, cause Rex had said he had talked to you earlier and that you had a perspective on Lori, my sister. And so when he said that, I was like, okay, tell me a little bit more. He did, and so that's why I asked you questions on our live a couple of weeks ago at Go Yoga about Lori. So let's start from the beginning. Um, tell us about how you met my sister, Lori. Okay. 
Well, Lori and I were actually in the same ward. So same church, as you will. And then we have little sections. And so we're in the same neighborhood. So then they put us together. So we're in the same ward. And that's how I, you know, met their family. I knew Charles very well. My husband and Charles uh, worked together. They were in Young Men's together. And um, Tylee is my daughter's age. So they were in Young Women's together. And yeah, see JJ walking around the church all the time. You saw Charles, you saw Charles and Lauren chasing JJ around the church. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And Lori was the, um, the conductor for she taught music for the primary. So, so and this is important because Rex and I, when it comes to timelines, um, you know, a lot of people that watch our podcast are always, you know, playing second guesser. Why didn't you guys do this or why didn't you do this? And the timeline, I don't think people understand all the things that were going on during this whole time. So, what timeline did you meet, Lori? Do you remember what year it was? Because for me, everything's a blur. It's kind of a blur, but um, gosh, they were in our ward for a while. Like they were in our ward for a while, and then, um, and it was it was right before they moved to Mesa. So um, right before they moved to Mesa, where um, Charles tragically was killed. So yeah. it was it was right before that. So it was all during that time. So they moved back from Hawaii. When they lived in Hawaii, yeah. into your ward, and yeah. they were there until just what two months, I think, before Charles was killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they must have been in your church, like, so it wasn't before they moved to Hawaii. It's when they came back from Hawaii. Yeah. So yeah. when was that? Was that 2020? 20, 21? I, I don't know. We're optimists will tell us. So just check. Somebody. At the commerce. No doubt. Okay. So how long, was it a year did you know her? Was it four months? Was it three months? Was it longer or shorter than that? What, I, like, how long would you estimate that you, that she was in your ward where you uh, were with I'm her? trying, I'm trying to remember, but it was, it was at least a year. A year. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to remember how long they, like when they moved in there, but I mean, it was a while. Okay. So the least you have, so just for reference, um, it's at least a year where you had you know, contact with Lori and, and observed her at church and all that stuff. Right. I don't remember exactly when they moved in, but yeah, um, yeah it was a while. Okay. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who claim that Lori has been this vindictive person her whole life and has fooled everybody her whole life, that she's been evil her whole life. And then- now the, the true evil Lori just um, um just emerged at the right time, but she was evil this whole time. Um, and Rex and I have tried to tell people, look, from our perspective, me being her brother, growing up with her, knowing her my whole life, I never saw any of that. I, obviously, she didn't make the best choices with her husbands, and she obviously had other issues to deal with. But being evil and vindictive and all that stuff. I just didn't see it. From your perspective, for the year you knew her at church, um, kind of describe how Lori was to you, to your kids, to the people at church, all that. I wish I could say that she was obviously a monster. <laughs> it would it would make a lot more sense, but 
And I hate saying this, but she really was like the nicest person. She was the best mom. Like her highly like loved her mom so much, which which I just which breaks my heart, you know. It, but she just raved about her mom. Like she all her on her Instagram post, she's just talking about how much she loves her mom. Like they were really, really, really close. Especially, you know, going from all the husband and this him and whatnot, you know, they had a really close relationship. And JJ too, like they were really close. Um Charles every Sunday would talk about how much uh he loved Laurie and if there was anything negative, we kind of thought like Lori was maybe a little bit of a gold digger, but that was like the only thing that we would I could say negative about her just because she was like so much younger and stuff. But I mean, if I had to say anything negative, that was the only thing that we were like assuming, but you know, whatever. Well, what kind of, a, uh, as far as like when she would um teach in primary or talk to anybody that you observed um did you ever hear her tell anybody hey the end of the world is coming and you know we need to get prepared you need to come to these prepare the people meetings or did she do any of that with anybody that you know um i i knew some people in the circle that um that testified so i know uh she did talk you know, to some of my friends about that, but it wasn't an open, like every Sunday announcing type of thing. You know, it was only like, if you're really, really like, if she felt comfortable sharing things with you, but she was a very religious person, but, um, which is a good thing, you know, but Satan uses every aspect. He'll, he'll, you think, you know, someone that's, what's the real scary part. Mm-hmm. So when, when your friends or people in the church, when Lori would say something like that, come to this meeting or felt comfortable about telling you like, oh, I had this experience or I saw Moroni or whatever she, whatever she told people, why is it that the people that she told that to didn't run to the police or run to somebody to say, Lori has lost her mind. Somebody's got to do something. Yeah, I... I don't know. It was just little by little, I think, is what it was. So it nothing really like stood out. And surely anyone that might be appear like um, holier than thou or too spiritual, you would never think that they were going to, you know, murder their family. You know, you might just think that, oh, okay, that's a, that's a good view on your side, you know. But you would never think anything of that. There weren't any like red flags really so rex how would you like how would you diagnose that situation um of lori at church talking to other people um and then them just accepting what she said or ignoring it or because i know you and i have been criticized for not doing something about it we're adults and we didn't do something about lori rex and i have both been criticized about this well, yeah, related to all of our common experience. Anytime we're doing something that our conscience says, eh, that's not a good idea, you probably shouldn't do that, we um, come up with a mechanism to deal with that internal struggle. And we will portray it to whom we want to portray it and to no one else. 
We all know Lori did that. We all know she betrayed the person she wanted to be to whomever it is she was with at the time. She's still doing that. We know that from her her um, statement at sentencing. You know how there are certain things she said, certain things she didn't bring into that statement. You know, so same. She goes to church and she's just, you know, a um, kind of a very above average church. What am I trying to say? Enthusiast. Okay. And, and playing the church role. And Adam and I have said several times, April, we can't see into the hearts and mind of anyone, much less Lori. We never saw into our hearts and mind. And all of us know that at some point, Lori stepped on a path that eventually led to the despicable evil she did. But we don't know when that path started. It's the same. I mean, she's having the same human experience we're all having. We all get on a path, and somewhere, fortunately, our conscience has reined us in, so we haven't gone as far as, as Lori did. But we don't know when she got on that path and who she was saying to what, because she is so deliberate about it. At some point, those paths diverge enough that you have to choose one path or the other, and it becomes obvious people around you. Now we know, you know, basically the timeline that she had to choose that path was right around the time that she was there with you and Gilbert. She chose that path, went off of it. What, two months, three months after she moved out of your ward, Charles was dead. So you were there during the unhinging, so to speak, but she didn't make it obvious to the people at church, except for a few that she was talking to while she was on the other path. And that's why we never saw it, Adam. She she approached you, didn't gain your trust in that arena, you know, the end of days and all that. She didn't even approach me. <laughs> Sometimes wonder if I should feel offended. <laughs> but... Um, you know, she approached you, and so she didn't portray anything else to you. In fact, she basically cut you off, and she cut off different members of the family at different times. That's just the game she played and is still playing today. So with that being said, going back to um, April at church, you know, Lori had different callings that she was doing um, and had interaction with kids, had interaction with adults, Um what did you see as she was in primary or what what were people saying um, about, you know, anything strange was happening or was everybody just or is Lori the greatest actor in the history of the world where she could just turn on her acting and then we all just feel like, oh, well, I, I don't see anything because maybe she's acting and playing a completely different person her whole life until recently, then now she's who she really is. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was great. As far as like anywhere else concerned, she was just very spiritual and very active in the church, you know, going to the temple every week. I, I believe she, I think she would, yeah, she worked there, you know, just, just like what you would think a, you know, very, a bright LDS, you know, what you would think. So there weren't any red flags or anything. And and when people talk about their spiritual experiences, 
Um, like, you know, sometimes they sound a little bit like, hmm, but you never, they're never real, really red flags. Like when she told you she was immortal or whatever, it's just like, hmm, okay, but you're not going to run to the police. You know, it's just like a little like, it's a little weird, but whatever. Yeah. Well, my, my whole thing is, I believe that everybody can have whatever spiritual experience you're going to have. If you read in the Bible, a lot of people claim they had all kinds of different spiritual experiences. And I think everybody's entitled to whatever God, if you believe in God, shows you or whatever. And I think we're all different and we're all unique. And I believe in God. I think he knows each one of us individually. So it's hard for me to discern if somebody says, oh, I had a face-to-face with Jesus or I met Moroni or whatever it is. The problem I have with that is if that really happened, I don't know if I would tell anybody. I would, everything would be inside. I would never tell anybody any of it, right? So I think, I think that when Lori got on this path and she was talking around other people who claimed that they had all these special experiences that she wanted to be part of that group. And since she didn't have any, that she just started making up these spiritual experiences so she could be part of this whatever group it was and so with that being said that's another part of me when you know she said certain things i was like oh my gosh that sounds crazy especially if you see jesus or whatever it is i don't think that you would be going and telling everybody i i personally that's what i think i would just be between you and him or you and whoever um so those are some those were red flags to me that she would go around bragging because what's the opposite of Jesus as humble, not prideful. And it seemed like she was very prideful that she was this top layer person. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and unless it was like, Oh, I saw Jesus or anything like very like over the top type like that, or, you know, I'm immortal or anything, you know, if, if she's saying things like, you know, I, you know, you, you don't question other people's spiritual experiences, you know, and and certainly you don't go to the police or think that anything really bad is going to come out of it. So I respect everybody's, you know, spiritual yeah. experiences and, right. you know, things like that. But yeah, exactly what you said. I don't think I would be bragging about certain experiences because even even experiences I have, they they're sacred to me. Right. So, I mean, there probably were some red flags somewhere and some green flags and all kinds of flags out there that it's just, it's hard when you're going through your own life and you have family members or friends that you think are changing a little bit. Um, You don't really feel like, what can I do? I remember telling my parents, look, Lori is going down a crazy path. We got to do something. And their response to me was, she's a grown adult. You're not going to go put her in handcuffs and take her somewhere, you know? And so I guess there's a weird line between family members and friends of how do you get somebody help um, without, uh, I, I mean, I just don't, just leave it like that. How do you get somebody help if they're not wanting to get help or, or anything like that? Rex, I don't, I don't know what the right answer for that is. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that. And I'm pretty convinced that the mental health world either doesn't have 
also doesn't have an answer. And I'm saying this, I'm interjecting now. Um, something similar during that time is Lori was compelled basically to go do a psychological eval. Good heavens, my wife's in the medical profession. She said in her office, it's a women's health clinic, there are five providers. If a woman comes in with a medical issue, it's very possible if she saw all five providers to walk out with a different plan, a different diagnosis, a different plan. Because the medical world's not that exact. Now take the, the mental health world, it is even less exact. So the fact that she could go into a mental health facility and pass with flying colors means she talked to a mental health person, she portrayed herself the way she wanted to, and they said, well, what can I do? I can't see inside her, her brain, what, you know, based on a few questions, an hour, two hours, do we hold her for a year and see if she changes? You know, that's not realistic. So I don't blame the mental health world for that. And, you know, she got out and is running around. There's just so much you can do until there is a reason to do it. And we we all wish the police would have paid more attention to Charles when we see hit the body cam um, footage on that. That is just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because Charles was not trying to get protection from the police for himself. He's trying to help Lori because he loved Lori. And Lori was a, the mother of, his, of their children. And it's just heartbreaking. But what could they do? <laughs> right. The other, thing, the other thing, too, Rex, is like I've read some comments on our podcast, uh, even on YouTube, and people want to criticize also the leaders of our church how could they let Lori do this? And I mean, literally, um, you can go into any bishop and tell any bishop anything you want, right? Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I just the reason we're doing kind of this podcast too is to get a little bit more perspective about Lori and what she was like at church, or just from another person's perspective, and. Um, but with that being said, um, also, since we are talking about church, a lot of people are blaming our church for Lori and Chad. Um, and why didn't they do anything to stop it? Again, I think we're on the same path of like, what could they do? And what did they even think or know? And when you say they, and you talk about the church, some people are thinking the Mormon church headquarters in Salt Lake. They don't know what's going on in 13 million members' lives. Right. You know, and sure, they read the news like anyone else and probably were heartbroken that a church member would perpetrate such evil. But, you know, but even the local leaders, how would they know what she's doing, going to prepare people? And, you know, unless the, unless there's something really concrete that would draw them into it, they aren't trying to control all the lives of the members of the ward. They're just trying to get out of the freaking meetings they have to send through for <laughs> on the end. No doubt. April, why? Uh, I want to talk to you too because you said your daughter was friends with Tyler the same age. Right? Yes. Um, did did your daughter say anything about Tylee being distraught ever or, you know, have any red flags with Tylee? Did she ever say anything to your daughter about her mom's going crazy or anything like that? Well, um, not while they were in our ward, but when they moved to Mesa, I know Tyler, one of Tylee's very best friends, 
um, they moved to Mesa and Tyler was, you know, regularly texting her. And then all of a sudden she stopped texting. And so she had thought that um, she was upset or whatnot. Because before she stopped texting, she started saying things like, my mom's kind of lost it. My mom thinks I'm a zombie. She did start to say those things to my friend, my her friend. Your daughter's friend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tylee's best friend. Yeah. Anyway, Tylee did start telling her things like that. And then I know she was really upset about having to move to Idaho. And um, then all of a sudden, all communication stopped. And so my her friend obviously thought like she was mad at her or something. And then sporadically, there would be like, she would say like, hey, how are you? And then Tylee would answer back like fine or short answers. Obviously, probably Lori answering the questions, but um, yeah, I, I, I think she kind of knew something was going on, something weird, because Tylee was aware that her mom was thinking she was a zombie. Wow. See, I didn't know that. I mean, I didn't know that Tylee... So that was the that, that that was the other issue that I and I beat myself up over it. Rex is you know telling me to have grace on myself, but the last time I saw Tylee alive was at my mom and dad's house, and we had that huge fight. And I saw Tylee, and I didn't talk to her. Zach didn't talk to her. We didn't know what to say to her. It was just after Charles got killed. She didn't look like you know I don't know. She was upset or sad or um, I just gosh I just wish at some point we would have had a communication to where she could have been like. Mom's lost it. I need to. I want to go with you. Or I don't know. I just always think about those those things of what ifs and all that stuff. But um, it's just hard to when you look back at it. It's hard to say what could I have done different because Lori and Chad had their path of what they wanted to do, <laughs> and I don't know if how how you know we could have what difference we could have made. Um, in that. Um, so I don't know. I just, it's, it, it, it's a heartbreaking situation when you think about it anyway, it's heartbreaking. Is your, oh, it's how's your, how is your daughter and, and Tylee's friends that, you know, how did they deal with the news and all that? Uh, very hard, very, very, very hard. A lot of therapy. Yeah. It was, it was a very precious age, you know, 17, it's a very, very precious age, and to have something so horrific happen, and and to just have known her, like I mean, for her to just have barely moved out of the ward, you know, everything was really close. Tylee was in the hospital all the time when she she was sick all the time, and so the young women would always go visit her in the hospital, and we pray for her, you know, help her feel better. Yeah. Um, so she was just. I don't know, a big part of of the ward as a whole and just for something, you know, so tragic to happen at such a young age for everyone. It was it was really hard for the girls especially. Hey, let me mention, I appreciate you bringing that up because people um, started questioning even that, you know, that was Tiny really sick? Was Did Lori really spend hours with her in the hospital? And Heck, I was never in the hospital. I knew that was going on, but I was taking Janice's word for it, who a lot of times was taking Lori's word for it. Could that have been part of her gaslighting? You're saying, no, that's a reality. 
Tylee was in there a lot. Lori was in there with her. Friends were visiting her, uh, praying for her, fasting for her. That was a good perspective for me uh, when you shared that there in uh, Arizona. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, she was. She was in the hospital quite a bit. Yeah, Tylee had pancreatitis, um, was sick a lot in the hospital a lot. And, you know, that's a true thing. I know people question that too. The people are questioning everything. And that's and that's fine. Everybody can question because it's such a crazy thing and there were so many lies told. We have to discern what was a lie and what isn't a lie because because it was so much lying, there was also truths to things too. So not every single thing is a lie. Not every single thing is true. So that's where we we're trying. And as far as this podcast goes, Rex and I are trying to make sure that we get the truth out about whether it's terrible or it, or it looks bad on us or our family or whatever it is. We just want to make the truth. We just want the truth to be out there. And so that's that's something great that you that you brought up that at least people can put that to rest. Um. Going forward, knowing what you know now about Lori's situation, um, how would you deal with a friend or a family member that maybe you know was going going off into that kind of pathway, and it's really not off the pathway completely? So it's still like, do you get involved? Do you not get involved? Do you tell somebody? Do you have other families rally? Do you have a um, I get to get, I mean, what, what would you do? Yeah. You know, it's really hard to say because in, in the Lori situation, I feel like it accelerated so fast that by the time, like by the time Kylie or, you know, Charles or anyone knew that they were like zombies was only, you know, months before, like, uh, very soon before they actually ended up passing away. So it, what appeared to be just very ultra spiritual to, you know, immortal was pre accelerated really fast. So, and no one would have known, you know, anything like this would have happened. So it, it would be really hard. Like once people start calling people zombies and things like that, it's more obvious, but she wasn't openly saying those kind of things until right before so what what would you do if a friend came to you and said hey i think i'm turning immortal um you're you're a three light and your friends are four darks and they just i mean at that point i mean it's, it sounds comical but literally it sounds comical if somebody said yeah. that to me i'd be like are you kidding are you joking or is this yeah. or is this or is this are you really think this or is this for real or how do you, how would you deal with it if you were in a situation where somebody was doing that? Yeah. Well, definitely now uh, opinions have changed. And even, even if people, even if she started saying that openly to people, I think there would have been, you know, there would have been a little bit of like intervention with like the bishop and church leaders, you know, certainly she wouldn't be like being able to work in the temple and things like that. Cause a lot of that is sacrilegious you know so had she been open and started saying these kind of things before like there would have been some sort of intervention as far as that goes yeah. but i mean now like if a sister if my sister or something started saying those things i would you know probably say she needed to get 
checked in somewhere, helped somewhere. Yeah, like, you know, what, would she, what would you do about it? That, that's the question. I know. About, yeah, what do you do about it? I know, because it's not, I mean, even Charles, he was telling the police these things that that she was going to murder him, you know? He was saying these things, like, bluntly, and still, like, what happened? Like, you know, nothing. She, she was a very good manipulator. Like, she can pass all the crazy exams and stuff, like, you just don't say some things, you know, you just don't say like, yeah, I'm immortal. You know, you just, I mean, I think anyone can pass those kind of things, but I, you know what, that's a, that's a really hard question because I mean, that is, that is a really, would you feel, would you feel comfortable going to your mom and dad or somebody close in your family and be like, look, my sister's losing it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is what she said. And then what would you do if they said, no, that's just her. She's just going through something. Then, and, you, and you're genuinely concerned. Yeah. If I'm what? genuinely concerned, you know, I would call the police. Yeah. But would anything be done? Yeah. Probably well, not. Well, if there's no crime committed, what do Probably the police not. do? This is the thing that Rex and I have been going over and over what with. What can you do? Like, what? Yeah. What do you do? Right. Right. What do you do when your sister says that? that you're immortal and they could take a bullet. I mean, it's just kind of like, I mean, what do you do? You just yeah. kind of think they're a little, cr- we all kind of have crazy people in our family. Let's admit it, you know, yeah. like, but you never think it's going to be that. I mean, it wasn't like that big of a red flag and, you know, until she started saying she's going kill people, then yeah, but that would have been yeah. different if you'd known that. Rex, any other things you want to bring up in the podcast with April? No, but I I want to thank April for this perspective because you know when we meet someone that that knew Lori or when we met April who knows Lori, we gained a different perspective. That's why we wanted to share it. Invited April on the podcast. Thank you, April, for coming on the podcast. Not everyone can do this, and we respect that completely. There have been many people that have declined coming on. Because not everyone's wired to do this and to share something so um, unbelievable. Really <laughs> unbelievable. Share the connection with it. So thank you for being part of that because everyone that's listening wants to just make sense of this, you know, and figure it out. And so your perspective, I think, helps. Well, it helped me and obviously helped Adam. I'm sure it helped everyone that's listening. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's really, you can't make sense of it, actually, you know, it's just, and I also kind of want to give, like, Charles and Tylee and JJ, like, a voice, like, they, they kind of got brushed over, I feel like, you know, like, we never were able to go to, like, Charles' funeral or anything like that. They were really, really great people, and it's, it's too bad, like, the Woodcocks aren't really able to mourn because it's just gotten covered by the tragedy you know but they were really really great people really close family as your family seems like really close yeah it's been a a, the whole thing with um charles's body and the kids's uh remains and all that stuff and funerals and or celebration of life or all that um it's 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 one of those things again where our families i think split and just it what to do and how to do it. Everything is so difficult about it because this case was so 
horrific. And it just blew a hole everywhere in our family. So yeah, those those are all things that we didn't get to really, I haven't really done or, or you know, who knows what's going to happen with everything. So uh, anyways, thank you for coming on with us. Good luck with Goat Yoga. If you ever go to Gilbert, Arizona, go to Goat Yoga. It will be a treat for everybody. And um, April, you've been a, a, a ray of light uh, for us. And thanks for coming on with us. And if you need anything from Rex and I, we're here. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's, it really has been a pleasure.